Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, Dolphin fans. Yes, that's right. We're back with yet another season of previews and reviews of your Miami Dolphins. Each week, we will discuss the upcoming game, analyzing the opponent, and then follow every game with a review show with all the highs and lows of the game. This season looks to be one of the most exciting seasons we have had in a good while, and we are really, truly excited to be there every step of the way. So please look for us and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please feel free to leave comments after each show, as we truly appreciate any feedback. Now let's kick off this week's show. And it's another FinFans podcast. Today I'm here with Louis Rigoni. How are you, Louis? <laughs> How am I? Uh, you know, hungover, kind of. Hungover. And not an alcoholic hungover. Yeah, good answer. A bad game. Yeah, got, yeah, it left you with a bad taste in your mouth, you know. Bad, bad game. Yeah, but, I mean, look. Huh, you're, you're, you're playing a Super Bowl caliber team on, in their house, shorthanded. So, the score kind of reflected that. Yep, it sure did. You had a situation where you went in, you knew what you were up against, and you played a very, very sloppy, sloppy football game. Too many penalties. I mean, just, you know. We, we got to talk about that. You know, drop balls, uh, you know, defense, uh, for the most part, I felt did a pretty good job, you know, but you're up against, you know, a tough football team, a Super Bowl team from last year on their home turf, um, and you're going against some really bad calls as well. It's not a good combination. I mean, you know, when you, when you have 10 penalties, some of them were justified, some of them, a good amount of them weren't, and it seemed like they were being called on one side and not the other. Well, it didn't seem that way. It was that way. It was that way, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Mike, when you, as a Dolphin fan, you know, when you, when you uh, go into a game like this, 
you know, we tend to scrutinize everything. And I'm sure the Eagles fans are saying something sure. totally different. You sure. Know, that's how, you know, we're biased. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know what I always say, you see things how you see things, you know what I mean? So your perspective has a lot to do with it. But the calls last night, I don't care whose perspective it is. <laughs> those, some of those calls were horrendous. They were. I mean, and right in front of the refs. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get into, we'll, we'll, let's go, you know, step by step here. You know, we'll talk about the, uh, the penalties and, and some of the issues and whatnot. But overall, you know, I felt that, you know, with everything that they could do wrong, they did. And as I said, when you play against the better football teams in the NFL, you can't play that sloppy a game and expect to win it, you know, unless somehow you, you get it together in the fourth quarter and you just, you know, get it to perfection, right? You literally, at that point in the game, you have to play to perfection. And we didn't, you know, and thus, you know, the, the loss there, you know, they competed for, you know, damn near three quarters. But, you know, in the end, you know, when you lose by two touchdowns, as you mentioned, Mike, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It does because you, you expected more, but maybe not rightfully so. That's a very good football team, and their 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 strengths are li- lined up right against where we're injured. So, you know that, that definitely factored in the game. You know, uh, their lines on both sides of the ball, I thought, played really well. They did, and you know, our defensive line against their run did a pretty doggone good job. I thought, you know, they did. Uh, they did. You know, uh, Swift. You know, had 62 yards on 15 catches. After the first half, I would say they did. Yeah. It was a little ugly early. Early on, they had some decent runs, but I mean, Mike Gainwell averaged two yards a carry. He had eight, eight carries for 16 yep. yards. Swift had 15 carries for 62 yards. He had a long of 22. Um, you know, so on his other 14 carries, you know, he averaged 40 yards, right? Yeah. Now, I know this all goes into the mix, but. You know, when you take that 22-yard run out, which was, the, you know, by far their best run of the night, really against their running backs, I mean, you know, those averages are minuscule. I mean, they're below three, both of them. You know, Hurts hurt us on a couple of scrambles, and, um, you know, it's, you know. Not it, too that, bad, though. Not horribly, but really, you know, on a couple of big ones, Mike, you know, yes. where they extended drives. That's the one. Well, I thought you were going to say when he extended the play, and that's the that's the one that hurt us. You well, know? you know, Mike, the, the scrambles, you know, for runs and the scrambles for passing yards down the field are right. They're they're yeah. just as as you know, they're just as uh, <laughs> hurtful. hurtful. Yep. You know, when as the as the game's developing, and you're looking at a situation where you've got an opportunity to stop this football team on their drives and you extend them and one of them goes for a doggone touchdown, well, yeah, it hurts. You know, this is a constant issue. You know, they had some sacks. That's a quarterback you got to keep in the pocket. It's a quarterback you got to keep in the pocket. And my God, the one, the one play that just stood out was when they, they sent a couple extra guys and they had six guys around them. I mean, he was literally, you know, <laughs> it was like they had a circle completely around them and he made a couple little moves here and there and nobody just laid him out and you know to me you know that is just a frustration because they're getting there over and over and over again but they're just not finishing the job and that's frustration and 
I understand the stats. I know we're way up there in regard to sacks, which we should be because that defensive line's got a lot of, you know, a lot of good parts to it. You know, we have a lot of good edge rushers, you know, Van Ginkle and Chubb and Phillips. And then you got Wilkins and Siler in the and middle. Agba. And Ogba. I mean, you've got, you've got, you know, six capable guys there. And, you know, that's, that's without sending a Baker or a Long on a blitz or a safety or a corner. So they should be up there among the sack leaders in the NFL. The problem is, is that they get there an awful lot and they don't finish the job. And it's a frustration. And, and that showed again last night, you know, in the situation where you've got a guy like Hertz who is a much better quarterback than what we've gone up against the last couple of weeks. And he did some serious damage to you in, you know, in, in, in regard to that. So, you know, they've, they've got to finish the job. They can have five, six, seven sacks every doggone week if they just have somebody get to them among the guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's just not happening. And that hurt us an awful lot last year. I mean, this, last night. I mean, if you look at it, Mike, and you look at them as a whole, you know, Godert hurt us a little bit in the end. Uh, I mean, at the beginning, I should say. Um, and then A.J. Brown hurt us quite a bit, you know, in the second half. I mean, he, he came on strong. And um, some of their bigger plays were on plays where, you know, he got out of the pocket and made plays either running or passing the ball downfield. And, you know, it hurt our defense. But overall, I think they did a pretty doggone good job, you know, for the most part. I mean, the 31 points on the board is not going to show that. But um, I thought they did a pretty good job last night against a pretty damn good offense. Very well, shorthanded. Give them me. a grade. A, B, C, D, F, what? Um, wow. I mean, you got to give them C. You got to give them a C. They did some good things. Yep. They did some bad things. You know, again, you know, you're shorthanded in the secondary. You had a guy that filled in in Nickerson who had our top grade among the (laughs) defenders. And he was on the field for 45 plays. You know, we, we, we went over some of this before coming on. Well, they, they obviously chose him over Cam Smith. Yep, exactly, which, you know, <laughs> it just leads you down another avenue, you uh-huh. know, where, you know, can we have first round, second round, third round picks that at some point, you know, step in and play over guys that, you, you know, surprisingly are on the field over them. It's just, you know, a never-ending thing with us, you know, and, uh, you know, that's a frustration as well. But Nickerson, to his credit, had the top grade defensively. He played the nickel position, and I felt that Kahoo, you know, very, very undersized going against a guy like Brown. Yes. Did an adequate job. You know, the stats aren't going to show that, but, you know, that, that, listen, that's a tough assignment. Tough assignment. You know, Apple is a guy that, you know, we grabbed off the scrap heap, so to speak, and he went out there and he did an adequate job. But, you You know, know, if, if Ramsey is playing, he's probably on Brown. Um, probably. Absolutely. He's probably following Brown all over yep. the place. I don't know how Fangio, you know, once, cause he's going to be back. I mean, sooner than later, Ramsey, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does with him and X-Man once they're yep. on the field, but it definitely hurt, you know, X-Man being out definitely hurt to some extent. As I said, they did a pretty good job. Well, you know, just think about it. One more turnover, you know, like in the third quarter. And uh, that game may go a different direction. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the plays that they made, you know, when they brought it to, you know, let, let's do this, Mike. You know, as, as we're talking about the game, let, let's, for, you bring up what you want to talk about first. And, and these are the things that I want to talk about, and we'll do it one by one so we don't jump around. I want to talk about the coaching. Okay. Right. I want to talk about the refereeing in the <laughs> game last night. I want to talk about the, um, oh God, there's a couple of other things. I want to talk about the penalties. Okay. And I want to talk about just the overall sloppiness in regard to, um, you know, what took place last night. So you pick it, you pick a, um, a subject and then we'll talk about it and then we'll move on from it. Well, let's start out with the coaching. That's a good place to start. Okay. So what, what no, were your thoughts? Ahead. I'm going to get, yeah, well, I'll let you go first on, on, on your thoughts and then I'll follow up. Look, I, okay. I don't want this to sound more critical than it needs to be, but I right. think that McDaniel um, really needs to work with his team on adverse situations, you know, uh, as far as stadiums are concerned. Right. When you're in Buffalo, or you're in Philadelphia, or you're in so many of the, the other stadiums, you're not going to be able to communicate. You've got to have signals. You've got to have everybody focused on what they should be focused on. Right. And it just seems like when we get in a situation where there is a lot of crowd noise, it kind of takes us out of our game a little bit, especially on offense. Right. So that has to be corrected, and it's McDaniel's job to correct it, right? He's running the offense. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're <laughs> – you know, we're seven games into the season, Mike, and, um, you know, we're damn near halfway through. And, you know, obviously with the 49ers, you know, he had situations and that organization had situations to where they were going into the, the type of um, atmosphere that they were dealing with last night. Sure. And of course, you have to be prepared for that. And, you know, I understand that they do a lot of things, you know, where it's, um, you know, it, it's based on timing and everything. You know, it's a finesse type offense. So, you know, with that and with the practicing, you know, you have to be prepared for those situations to where the timing's down, you have hand signals, you do everything that's necessary. I mean, he's been around long enough to understand that. Um, you know, he played in Buffalo twice last year. Yeah. Um, you know, so with those circumstances, but you have new pieces coming in, you know, absolutely. You've got new, absolutely. new linemen in the game and just yeah. guys who maybe haven't experienced it before. Right. Exactly. But you know, that Mike, that, that becomes preparation as well. You yeah. know, the, the, the guy that filled in last night, Cotton, you know, me and Chris talked a lot this morning and a lot last night. And he brought up the fact that, you know, he was surprised that Robert Jones wasn't the guy that replaced him because Robert Jones is, to me, has played an awful, he played quite a bit. He actually started some games for us at different positions. Maybe he's not quite ready, but he's active, right? I mean, if he's on your roster and he's there for the game, you know, you would assume that they're ready. You know, I guess they felt that Cotton was the better option, which, which to me is is very surprising. And, you know, Chris mentioned the same thing as I mentioned. So, you know, with that being said, guys have to be prepared. You know, when they come into the game, it's the next man up and they've got to come in and they've got to do a decent job. I mean, you look at Lamb and what he's done and replace the Armstead. And for the most part, now he did get blown up a few times last night, but for the most part, 
you know, he did a good job. So it's preparation. You know, Nickerson, we just talked about, he was prepared to come in in replace, you know, replacing the Nickelback, which in turn Kahoom went moved over and replaced X Man. They came in and they did a very good job. You know, there's to me, if you're on this 53 man roster, you need to be prepared. Um, you know, under all circumstances. So, and I know it's difficult, but hey, you know that's what you're paid to do. You're on this roster for a reason. You got to get the job done. So, what you said is exactly right. You know, it's up to McDaniel to make sure that these guys are all on the same page. Because even prior to the injury, Mike, yep. you know, to win, uh, they were having issues. Um, you know, so and there's no excuse for that because those five starters have been in now for weeks together. You know, it's been yeah. a while. You know, it's the same five guys. Um, other, you know, other than the fact that Eichenberg, you know, has only been in there the last couple of weeks. But regardless of the fact, you're absolutely right. Um, in regard to that and anything else in regard to the coaching other than the preparation for the crowd noise and, and the timing? I, I didn't have too much of an issue with the coaching last night, honestly. Uh, right. You know, you, you can always question decisions and you can always question, you know, why are you doing this instead of this, you know? Uh, right. But, you know, when you're in there and in the moment, you know, you do what you think is best and then they have reasons for what they do. And I don't know all the time what those reasons are. So it's hard to say they were wrong. Uh, all you can do is go based on the results and based on the results last night, the coaching has got to be better in games like that. Right. I, I totally agree. I did have an issue early on, Mike, on both sides of the football. I felt that you know, they were playing a little bit conservative um, on both sides initially, um, especially on offense. When we did the podcast on Monday, I, and I meant it when I said it, that I don't want to see Ingold on the field in this game. I don't want yep. to telegraph any tight, unless we have a real short yardage situation to where, you know, we need a half a yard or whatever, and you want him in there blocking, fine. But I don't want him on the field. You know, you're not, you're not, especially with Connor Williams being out and Armstead being out, this defensive line and the, these seven guys up front are nothing to play with. And I felt that you're playing into their hands under those circumstances. And that's exactly what they did. They came out in gold was on the field quite a bit early on. They had our tight end in Smythe yep. and they were, they, and Tua was under center. He was taking snaps from under center, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, what are they doing? Well, lo and behold, you know, Mostert gets hit for a negative five, a negative three, a zero. You know, I'm like, these are wasted plays early on. Take it to them. Be aggressive. You know, I felt that they needed to come out. They you think their center had something to do with that decision? You know what, Mike? I, I think that Eichenberg, you know, and the offensive line as a whole – because of the fact that Tua gets rid of the ball so quickly, do a much better job when they're passing the ball. And, you know, this was a week, Mike, where I felt that, you know, you needed to pass the ball a lot more. And they didn't run the ball a lot. And that was that had a lot to do with the fact that, number one, they couldn't do it initially. And number two, you know, in the fourth quarter, they were playing from behind. So they had they had, they kind of had to abandon the um the running game in the whole fourth quarter of the game. Now with that being said, when they came out and they'd started running the ball a little bit differently, and I didn't have a problem with runs either in, in a spread out offensive formation. You know, if you have Barrios in the slot and you have Waddle and, 
and um, Hill on the outside. Yeah, we spoke about that on the phone. And you put, right, and you put Ahmed and Mostert in the game at the same time like they've been doing. It gives the Eagles an awful lot to think about. Okay, are they passing out of this formation? Right. Is, is Ahmed getting the ball? Is Mostert getting the ball up the middle? So the, I felt that early on that they were a little conservative and they were playing right into the Eagles' hands. And, you know, lo and behold, we come out of the first quarter with, with three points. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to take a step back for just a couple minutes, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We come out of the half with a total of 10 points. So, you know, when you look at it in perspective and you look at it as the game developed, I felt that they were a little conservative on the offensive side and even on the defensive side a little bit. You know, when they started blitzing Hertz and rushing him a little bit, and getting tip balls, and they, they were making some plays when they were sending extra guys. And I know it, it's a risk back there, but we had our two safeties both playing deep all night. So, you know, it becomes a situation where, okay, do you allow Godert to run 10 yards down the field before he's even going to see a defender and allow that to happen all night? Or are you going to take it to him and make them kind of rush some throws a little bit later on? Because that's basically what was happening. He did have Apple on Godert, but I'm looking at how they lined up. And as we, you know, we look at the, we rewatch the game if we want to, you'll see the fact that we've got guys lined up 15 yards off the football, even our cornerbacks. And there were plays to be made very easily for the Eagles, and they did it. I mean, you know, Godert was running down the field. He wasn't chipped. He wasn't, you know, none of that was taking place. So, if you're going to send the four-man rush and then you're going to go into a zone and have your two safeties deep, you know, you're just asking for trouble. But they changed it up a little bit as the game developed and the defense was able to come up with a big score that basically turned the game around at that point, I felt. It was, it was one of the biggest plays of the game. It was a great play by both guys. Baker was right there and the defender... I think it was Kahoot tipped the ball up in the air on a blitz. And, and that's, that's what I wanted to see a little bit more of, even early in the game. You know, dictate to them and then maybe ease up a little bit. But take it to them, you know, early on. You know, don't, don't pussyfoot around and, and allow them to get comfortable in what they're doing, you know, on both sides of the ball. But as the game developed, you know, we kind of did a lot of the things that, you know, I, I like to see them doing, and, and it, it was successful for the most part. So, you know, that's the only knock I have, and the fact that, you know, we had so many penalties hurt quite a bit as well. 
Exactly. You know? I mean, early on, I felt that the, in, in regard to our passing game, you know, I felt that the offensive line was doing a pretty good job blocking. You know, Tua was able to get some passes off and was able to do some things, you know, to both Waddle and Hill. And Cedric Wilson got involved. Um, you know, he made a couple of really nice plays last night. I mean, really nice catches. And, you know, going forward, you know, maybe we see a little bit more of him. Uh, Barrios only had one catch last night. Mostert only had one catch. And 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 th- this is the thing I'm talking about. When you're going against a good defense like the Eagles, yep. you know, I wanted them to be a little bit more diverse. You know, I mean, Hill got targeted 15 times, Mike. And granted, you know, he had 11 catches for 88 yards. That's an average of eight yards a catch. That's not good. It's That's just not. not. Yeah, no. It, that, obviously, you know, they, they were taking Hill away as best they could. Exactly. But, but yet – 15 targets, Mike. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yep. th- listen, they're going to you're going to be able to hit him underneath all night long, right? I mean, and that's basically what took place. I mean, he had the touchdown catch which I think was 27 yards or whatever right. down that sideline, but past that, I mean, you know, he had 10 other catches for I mean, minuscule yardage. And you know, when when you look at that situation, you're like, guys, come on now. You know, I don't know if this falls on Tua or if it falls on the coaching staff, but look elsewhere. There's other guys running patterns. You know, Waddle, you know, is there. I was going to say to you, that's what hurt us last night because Waddle, when Waddle went out of the game, then they can give more attention to Hill. And, uh, you know, that, that hurt. It does hurt, Mike, but. You know, and I don't, I mean, you can look at the stat sheet there and see exactly how many plays Waddle played and compared to the offense. I don't think he was out as much as we think he was. He played t- 22 snaps. He, he was out half the game. Wow. More okay. than half so the he, game. So he missed. And how many plays were, say, Barrios and then Cedric Wilson in, in the game? Let's give me a second. Sure. Not a problem. Wilson was in seven. Okay. And what was the other person? Barrios. Barrios. He was in there a good bit, I think. 29. Yeah, so 20, 29 snaps for Barrios. Yep, and 25 two, passing plays. 25 passing plays, and he had a total of two targets with one reception for seven yards. Now, I know, Mike, that Barrios is not getting double teamed. No. And this, this is my point. So, you know, two has got to do a little bit better job in a situation like this to where a team and, and you know what? We're playing New England next week. And what do you think is going to happen? It's going to be the same situation. They're going to they're going to take Hill out of the equation. Sure. And they're going to two is going to have to just concentrate on getting the ball to Barrios, Cedric Wilson and Waddle and some and the backs out of the backfield. I mean, New England just upset Buffalo. And don't think they're not coming in on a high next week. So right. with that being said, you have to look elsewhere. You have to look elsewhere. He's got to do a better job of that. And again, you know, I think that it's going to fall more on Tua than it is so much the, um, the coaching staff because, the, the, you know, there's more guys than just Hill running <laughs> routes on, on offensive snaps. So. Spread the ball around so what a little you're, bit. what you're saying is take what the defense is giving you. Exactly. And you know what, Mike? Barrios is very capable of making plays man-to-man. Absolutely. Cedric Wilson showed that 
you know, if he's man the man, he can make some plays out. That was there. a pretty phenomenal catch when he got his feet Excellent. in bounds. Both yep. of them. It, yep. the, both catches that he was in on were big plays. You know, he had two catches for 48 yards. If you think about that, look, that average, that's 24 yards yeah. on average of reception, which was much higher than anybody else on this team. So there's guys that are capable. You just have to get them isolated man to man and and allow them to make plays and to move the chains and put points on the board. You know, it's not just a, a Tyreek Hill football game when, you know, they've got three, four guys surrounding oh, him. The question I, I have is, and you're not going to be able to answer it, but the, right. the question is, is that the coach that is, you know, making Hill the primary target most of the time, or is that the quarterback just looking for Hill as his security blanket? Well, that's that's what I just said. I said that, you know, I don't think it falls on the coaching staff because there's not just, there's not just one guy. Now, obviously, Hill's always going to be your primary target because he's the most, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the man. He's probably the best receiver in football. I get that. But if you're going to have defenders giving him all the attention, then you have to look other places. It's still going to move the chains. It's still going to allow you to score points. Fine, let them put three defenders on Hill. Let them have four guys around him when he's running patterns. Great. You got others, other options, and they have to be utilized. You know, Fair so enough. They, I mean, they, they, yeah, they can do a better job. I mean, when you've got Mostert and the running backs, Mike, having a total of, what, two catches last night, to me, you're, you're eliminating a situation that, that's been very good for us over the course of the, you know, the first half of this season. They have to be targeted more, especially when all this um, attention is going towards Hill and probably to Waddle to some extent as well down the yeah. field. So, you know, it, it, it is, I think, that it's incorporated into the offense. I think that Tua just gets locked in on, you know, his main target hill uh, just way too much at times. Um, and rightfully so, but only to an extent. It has to be, there has to be balance there, Mike, especially when you're, you, you know, you've got defenses just trying to completely eliminate him out of the offense, you know, so... We'll see. Well, what you know, going I agree. We I mean, we're used to a spread out offense, though. We're used to you know when, when Marino was in his heyday. You know, they throw three receivers on the field. They'd have a tight end. You know, they right. have a running back, and all of them were capable of catching. Yes, yep. you know, and Marino spread the ball around, and that's kind of what Tua needs to do in these type of games because. When you have the better teams keying on your better players, that there's more talent there. They're going to make plays. Absolutely. So you want to give them reasons not to put so much attention on those, that player because the other ones are killing them. Absolutely. You know, if, if you get Barrios involved to a, great extent, a greater extent, if you go back and you look at New England and what they did with Wes Welker in the slot, right? Yep. And I mean, Brady just, I, you know, he had man the man all the time because the outside guys were getting all the, you know, all the attention. And the same thing with Edelman. You know, they just utilized these guys over and over again. And all it did was move the chains up and down the field. And then, boom, Randy Moss would catch, you know, his long touchdowns and whoever the hell else they would have on any given time. They had Gronkowski, right? They had Hernandez at some point. They had playmakers that were basically man-to-man down the field 
And, and they were making plays on simple 10-yard patterns off the line of scrimmage. They'd go for 15, 20, 30 yards. Um, Berrios is very capable of doing that, and so are our running backs, and we've proven that. You know, once they get in that flat, and you've got a man-to-man, and you've got guys trying to tackle them, especially Mostert up to this point, you know, he, he brings a world of shit to your, to your world, you know? Um, to your life. And, um, you know, I think that against New England next week, we'll talk about this more on Wednesday, but I think that, you know, they have to do a better job of spreading the ball around. So anyway. Well, that, that should be their goal every game. I don't care absolutely. who they're playing. You absolutely. Know, you you got to get, get everybody involved. You got to get the defense covering everybody because that makes it tougher to play defense. Without a doubt. I mean, if you see Hill, I said, and this is, you know, this is why I feel falls on too. If you see Hill out there, isolated man to man he's been doing a great job of getting the ball to him i mean three straight weeks you know it's been down that sideline right right over the top of the defender for a quick score right three straight weeks you can still do that you can still do it you know once they start paying attention to the middle of the field and you get your tight end involved or these running backs in the flats all of a sudden you see the defenders saying all right these guys are killing us this way you know we may have to approach this differently it's up to him to recognize the situations. That's why I don't feel it falls as much on the coaches as it does on him as a quarterback. You know, I, I, but I, I, I hate to see, use the word blame because it's not really blame. No, but, it's not blame. Know, it's just it, it starts at the head coach because if he doesn't like what the quarterback is doing, he's going to make him change it. He has to. The offense, right? The offense coordinators or the the receiving coaches, right. whoever it is, there's got to be there's got to be communication there and. You know, I feel, Mike, that in in game, in game coaching, right? When you when they pan the two on the sideline, he's sitting on the bench, and there's not a soul talking to him, not a soul. I mean, anytime you look to that side, they're just very, very confident in the fact that listen, we're going to go out, we're going to do what we do, and that's the extent of it. There there comes a situation, there comes points during over the course of the game where somebody's got to get in his ear or they've got to talk. McDaniel's got to talk to him and say, hey, look, listen, this is what I want you to do. You know, I mean, I, they're taking Tyreek out of the football game. You know, let, let's start targeting some of these other guys because, you know, it's up to the guys up top that are watching the games and watching the game and seeing things and getting in his head a little bit to where, hey, because when you're in the middle of the game, you're obviously going to look to Tyreek nonstop. But I, I feel that in-game coaching is just not there enough, you know. And, and do, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you see Tua's just sitting there, and he's just watching the game, and there's nobody around him. I mean, he's getting ready. He puts his helmet on. He goes right back out, and he's ready to roll. But I feel that, you know, they have to do a little bit more of in, in-game coaching when things are developing as they are. Once you go into a game, you don't know how they're going to approach it. You just don't. You know, you don't know how a defense is going to come out and try to defend us. So I feel that, you know, they've got to do a little bit better job of that, you know, as far as, um, you know, kind of going to a maybe a little bit different game plan, so to speak. Not getting way off, Mark, but doing some things differently. All right, guys, we're going to break for a few moments and uh, we'll be right back. You know, as far as the coaching goes, I think we kind of covered that. Uh, you know, where do you want to go next with this? You want to talk about the refereeing a little bit? 
Well, yeah, because obviously that's a concern of everybody's, you know. Uh, people just feel like it was very unfair. Yeah, I, I felt that last night it was very unsighted. I mean, you know, we talked about uh, Cotton coming in. And I, I'm telling you, Mike, there, there were two plays that I saw just, you know, just on replays and whatnot to where Cotton's face mask and his helmet just got pushed right. At one, of, one time it fell right off his head. You know, his helmet yeah. was rolling around. He turned around to the ref and he said, what the F was that? Uh-huh. You know, and, and the referee just totally ignored him. And he picked up his helmet and walked away. It's like, guys, you're, you're right there. That's your frigging job. Make these calls. It, it, it was definitely hands to the face on, on two different occasions that I saw that should have been called. The face mask down the sideline happened right in, on Cedric Wilson, happened right in front of the ref. How do you not call that? Because it definitely impeded his opportunity to come back and try and get that back shoulder pass, okay? It, it, it definitely had an effect on the play, and it should have been called. It should have been a 15-yard penalty, yep. okay? The, the, the um, roughing the passer on Wilkins was an absolute joke. Um, you know, I mean, my God, he let up. We all saw it. I mean, I didn't see what happened initially because they didn't show it. But when they showed the replay two, three times, that was a joke. I mean, come on. Seriously? He let up 15 yards. You give him on that? I mean, all of these plays were just absolutely brutal. And, you know, on the tour interception, I felt that the, you know, the linebacker definitely grabbed Waddle and did not give him an opportunity to, if not catch the ball, I mean, not Mount Waddle. It was on Mostert down that sideline there. It didn't give him an opportunity to, number one, catch the ball, and number two, to at least break the play up from uh, Slay intercepting the pass. You know, he did not give him a fair opportunity to, to get involved in the play, and there should have been a penalty on that as well. And yeah. that was a turning point in the game. So, you know... The refereeing, to me, I felt was very one-sided. I think somebody on the, on the Dolphin page on Facebook, Mike, posted that that referee was from that area. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, and he's been suspended for bad refereeing. I don't know about that either. I don't know how true any of that is, but I will tell you what. I mean, it was definitely one-sided. I mean, they definitely got the home field advantage. In yeah, the there was some home cooking going on there, right? There was definitely some home cooking going on, but... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you what I always say. You've got to beat the other team that you're playing. Yes. And if the referees cost you a game, you didn't do enough to win it. I It's just how I look I, at it. <laughs> I never, ever use you know uh, the officiating as an excuse for a loss because there were a lot of factors involved in this loss, but they definitely contributed in, in many ways sure. to, to, to this game going in a different direction. I mean, some of these calls were, were blatantly bad. I mean, blatantly bad. And um, Tyreek Hill dropped a pass in the end zone, right? Right. I mean, you know, that, that's a whole other – that when we get to sloppiness, we can, you know, that subject. And if you <laughs> yeah. want to I, – I've had enough with the refereeing. You know, uh-huh. we can move on from that. So let's go to that, you know, the sloppiness involved. Um, you know, Eichenberg, you know, a little bit late on certain snaps, you know, killing plays. Um, I'm going to kind of give him a mulligan for that last to. night. You yeah. have to. But you know what, Mike? You know, it, this is week two and – 
But I mean, he's an inexperienced center. He's an inexperienced center. I get it, but it, it it's still part of the equation. Of um, course, you know the timing's not there. Uh, there were a few times where the whole line moved and he was late snapping. Yep. Um, you know the the late snap to where Tua had to take. You know he had to just sit down on a play where Ahmed I think ran past him and he couldn't get the ball to him or whatever they were planning on doing. So. Sloppiness there. Uh, he had some big, yeah. angry people staring him in the face. Yeah, the, oh, absolutely. The pre-play, <laughs> you know, penalties were were a problem. Hill dropping the touchdown pass definitely hurt. Um, you know, it, it was a combination of things, and um, you know, some bad tackling at times on the defense. I felt that they were very physical, and for the most part, they did a really, really good job. But. Um, you know, there was there were a few times, Mike, where they were in position and they just didn't get there. They didn't make the play. I felt that that touchdown to, to AJ or that long pass late in the game, yeah. uh, both defenders were right there. And I mean, you know, I felt that they should have blew him up. I mean, I think it was Holland <laughs> that came over yeah. and he should have blew. If he wasn't going to get to the football, then he should have laid his ass out. Um, because they were both right there. I mean, right on it. I mean, it was a great throw. I get it. But man, oh man, if you can't break that pass up, then damn near just blow them up and maybe that'll break it up. But, um, you know, overall, I felt- Or, or that, get you a 15-yard penalty, depending on how late you are. Yeah. Well, he was catching the ball one way or another. Yeah. Um, you know, so roll the dice, right? You got a 50-50 shot. Yeah. <laughs> last night, maybe a the little- The flag would have gone down last maybe night. Maybe a 90, 10%. Yeah, yeah. would have went one way, you know, but more so their way. But, you know, a very sloppy football game against a team that had one loss all year. You just can't do that. Um, so they were sloppy, and that had a definite effect on the game as well. You know, drop, you can't drop- touchdown passes where you're running wide open into the end zone. Um, you know, and, and Hill is phenomenal. Of course. It happens. But he still dropped it. <laughs> everybody, right. You can't have it in a game like this. You've right. got to play right. to damn near perfection. Drop it, drop it against Denver. Yeah, you can't do it. You just can't do it. You know, it does happen, and it's unfortunate that it happened on a play where he was just running wide open, but it is what it is. Yep. Um you know, did we cover everything? I think so. I mean, look, we could talk all night, you know, about the game and, you know, our feelings and all this and that. But look, this is an NFC game, okay? It's a game that really doesn't kill you to lose other than the one-loss standings. Absolutely. We, okay. We, we, go ahead. So I, I just think people need to take it with a grain of salt, okay? It happened. We got it out of the way. And, you know, now we go home for New England, and that's a game that we should win. Let, I'll tell you this much, Mike. You know, the fact that we sat guys out last night, yep. I, I think, you know, plays right Long into term. exactly what you yep. said. Long season ahead, a lot more important games. You know, this was an at-a-conference game, as you mentioned. And, you know, I feel that what we're going to do is, is we're going to get healthy and what I saw out of the defense last night was a major, major positive, even though, you know, people I thought it gonna... was encouraging. I mean, look, a lot of people don't like Fangio's system. You know, maybe you don't either. I don't know. At times, you know, I think that, you know, but go ahead. That's a whole, that's for a whole well, other subject. Yeah. My, my only thought on that is people got to be patient. It takes the guys a while to learn the nuances of the system. 
Right. Okay. It takes time. I know nobody wants to have that time pass, but it does. It takes time. Now they should be beginning to round into form. And, and you saw signs of that last night. Yes, exactly. Oh, you saw, you saw a lot of decent pressure, I felt, you know, yep. against a really good offensive line, Mike. Yep. I mean, their offensive line is really They rated good. the best, I believe. Yeah, and they matched up pretty doggone well against them. We're going to get healthy at the cornerback position. I mean, you know, if, if you get X-Man, Ramsey, and Needham all back over the next couple of weeks, and it's going to happen. I mean, Ramsey's, you know, they've got to make a decision on him. Needham has to, you know, be on the roster come Tuesday, Mike. They have to make a decision on him. Well, um, I know Fangio said he's looking forward to getting him out there. So, Yep, exactly. So I think he's about ready. So if you think about that for a minute, you know, the fact that that secondary is going to be, you know, getting a lot of really good, good personnel back. And then at some point, you're getting Armstead and Connor Williams back on the offensive line. Uh, things are looking really, really good for us. So I think so. And I, I really think that, you know, these are growing pains. Yeah. I mean, shorthanded, you know, that was yep. all of these factors, you know, shorthanded, you know, sloppiness, the referees, all of this comes into Inexperience. play. Inexperience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it all falls into place. And this was a good test for them. And Mike, I said it. On Monday, I'll say it again. I felt that, you know, with the Buffalo game out of the way yep. and, and the game in Germany against Kansas City to where we're, it's, it's not really going to be a home field advantage. It's going to probably be, you know, a neutral type situation. I mean, they're. I think it'll lean towards Kansas City, but just not simply to, because but, they're good, you know. Yeah, but not to the extent, Mike, that it would, it would be in them going to Kansas of City. Of course. That's my of point. Of course. It's, yeah. It's not. Definitely. It's not so as you look at the schedule, you can look at Baltimore, you know, late in the year, which we did or we've already experienced that stadium and that that atmosphere and being down by points and we were able to come back and beat them. As I looked at the schedule, because of the timing, it was a night game. We were on national TV and the Eagles Super Bowl team. This I felt was the biggest challenge in regard to a road game on our schedule. And we're past it. And it's an experience, as you mentioned. And now I think everything else is is slightly better going forward. You know, the Jets up in New York, we've, you know, two has experienced that a couple times. And the, you know, this team, the majority of them have experienced that. Yeah. So again, you know, this was a situation where, you know, I felt it was their biggest challenge. Um, you know, as far as the, the the night games and the isolated games, they do play the Jets in New York at three o'clock on Black Friday. So you know that Look, all, have, the, all these road games are going to be tough. Let's you know, let's they not are, sugarcoat it. They are, but nothing <laughs> like nothing like nothing like this, Mike. That that's you're, all you're, I'm you're saying. not playing the Super Bowl champs on the road. You know? Exactly on a on a Sunday night or yeah. a Monday night. I mean, yeah. that's that's the that's where I'm getting at. It's all a little bit. You know, let, all all road games are tough, as you mentioned, but this was the toughest one as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, they learned from it and they understand how to prepare for it, hopefully going forward. And um, we'll move on from it. I mean, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun ride the rest of the way. You know, we've got a lot of positives. You know, I don't think we have to make any trades at the trade <laughs> deadline with all the talent we have coming back. I want... Well, maybe I don't want a uh, number one draft pick with the guy who who 
decides our draft picks. <laughs> don't don't start. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of you know, it's kind of like a catch twenty two there. I love draft picks. You know, I hate giving them up. I don't want to see us, you know, give up a number one for a guy. But um, you know, I think with all the talent coming back, there's really not a need for it, Mike. I just, you know, I just hope that they don't go ahead and do something like that because that is coming up pretty quick, isn't it? Yep, it yeah. is. And, all right, Lewis. Oh, one other thing before yeah. we go. Uh, Chris has informed me through text message that the Miami Dolphins, the are, not the, our Miami Dolphins, were selected as this year's in-season hard knocks team. How about that? Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so I didn't even realize that they had an in-season hard knocks. I guess they started this they last do, year. They do, yes, and it was, it was really good. You watched it. Well, we have got something to look forward to, and I hope it doesn't affect the team to where they become uh, hot dog-ish and you know, not concentrate on the, the task at hand, but they have been selected as the team that they are using this year. It's featured by NFL Films and HBO. Later this fall, coming to you, Dolphins. Coming well, we, to we you. had hard knocks last night, Lewis. Yeah, we had hard knocks <laughs> last night. This should be fun with characters like Tyreek and Wilkins and some of these guys. Whoa, boy, that's, that's going to be an entertaining show to watch. There's no doubt about that. Sounds good. All righty. All right. So, again, thanks uh, for joining me. Very welcome. Tough to do this sometimes after losses, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, you know. You got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Next week, we get another opportunity. So, that's the way to look at it. And uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk about next week. Yep. Until then, fins up, everybody. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, Finn fans, that's today's show. I want to thank the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Sports Social Podcast Network. Check out these sites, guys. They've got articles and uh, podcasts, which I think you'll enjoy. All right, until next week, be well and take care. Network.